Welcome to today's Triple Z. The Triple Z podcast is a daily recording that you can use to help you fall asleep each night. Just turn down the volume, lay back, relax, and enjoy as you fall asleep. Today we are traveling back in time to 1984 and learning about the Apple Macintosh computer. The following is from Chapter 1, Learning Macintosh. If you enjoy our program, please be sure to write us a review on your podcast platform and share us with a friend. You both might sleep just a little better at night. Our website is triple Z, that's three Z's dot media. You can also like and share our content on Facebook or our Instagram account CZZ Media Podcast. Music for today's episode was provided by the Sleep Channel on Spotify. This manual introduces you to the Apple Macintosh computer. Use it now to learn the basic Macintosh skills and pick it up again later to use as a reference. You don't need to know anything about Macintosh or any other computer to use this manual. And you won't have to keep learning new ways of doing things. Once you've mastered a few new techniques, you'll use them whenever you use your Macintosh. You can also take a guided tour of Macintosh by listening to the cassette tape, use it in any cassette player. In the guided tour, your Macintosh demonstrates itself, introducing, in a different way, the same skills this manual teaches. This manual tells you how to use the mouse and keyboard to control your Macintosh, Chapter 1, get started with your own work, make changes to it, and save it in Chapter 1. Find out more about Macintosh concepts and how to use your new techniques to establish a daily working routine. Chapter 2, organize your documents on the Macintosh. Chapters 2 and 3, get the most out of your Macintosh system by adding other products to it or for your Macintosh. Chapter 6, do simple troubleshooting and find further help. Chapter 6, how to use this manual. Read Chapter 1 to learn the basics and to get started using one of the application programs you probably purchased along with your Macintosh. Then continue on with this manual or go to the manual that came with the application you're going to use. Return to Chapter 3 of this manual when you want to know more about organizing your work. Use Chapter 4 for reference. Read Chapter 6 soon after you get your Macintosh to learn how to care for it. Introduction You're about to learn a new way to use a computer. If this is your first experience with a computer, you're starting at a great time. If you've used traditional computers, you'll really appreciate the Macintosh difference no more guessing what the computer wants. No more memorizing long commands with names only a programmer could love. With Macintosh, you're in charge. This chapter teaches what you need to know to use your Macintosh, how to create documents, the name for anything you create on Macintosh, make changes to them, and put them away. It all happens with a few basic techniques, the same techniques you'll use whenever you work with any application on your Macintosh. Meet your Macintosh. Before you start, Make sure you plug your Macintosh into a grounded outlet and attach the keyboard and mouse to the main unit. 
Switch the Macintosh on if it's not already on. A beep lets you know it's started, and an icon, a small picture, representing a Macintosh disk appears on the screen. The blinking question mark shows that the Macintosh is ready for you to insert a disk. Insert the Macintosh system disk into the disk drive, metal in first, label side up. Push the disk until it clicks into place. The soft hum is your Macintosh getting information from the disk. A message appears, welcoming you to Macintosh. A few seconds later, your screen looks like this. This is the Macintosh desktop. Most computer screens look like the departing flight schedule at a busy airport, but the Macintosh screen looks like a light gray desktop. And you can arrange your desktop any way you want. You can slide documents around, organize your work in folders, throw things away, or get what you want to work on next just by moving the mouse and pressing the mouse button. The bar at the top of the screen contain menus. You'll see how to use them a little later. The icons on your desktop always let you know what's available. Right now you see icons that represent the system disk you inserted the trash, where you can discard what you don't need anymore if your screen doesn't look like this, someone else has probably used this lesson and arranged the desktop in a different way. See handling windows in chapter 3 to close all windows that may have been left open. Using the mouse. Moving the pointer by moving the mouse. Your Macintosh responds instantly to every movement you make with the mouse. You can start applications and get documents, work on them, and put them away again just by moving the mouse and pressing the mouse button. The best way to see how this works is to try it. Watch the screen while you roll the mouse on a flat surface next to your Macintosh. For now, don't press the mouse button. Every move you make with the mouse moves the pointer in exactly the same way. Usually the pointer is shaped like an arrow, as it is now, but it changes shape depending on what you're doing. For instance, it becomes an I-beam when it's positioned over text you can edit and a wristwatch when your Macintosh is doing something that takes a little time. You'll have the best control if you hold the mouse with the mouse cable pointing directly away from you. If you run out of room for the mouse, if it goes off the table, for instance, or runs into the Macintosh itself, lift the mouse and put it down again where you have more room. Lifting the mouse doesn't move the pointer. Using the mouse might feel a little awkward at first, but it will soon be second nature. You probably have your own idea of how your desktop should be organized, so the first thing to do with your mouse is arrange your electronic desktop to suit you. To move an icon, you first select it to let your Macintosh know this is what you want to work on next. You select icons using a technique called clicking. Position the pointer on the trash icon. Make sure the tip of the pointer is on the icon itself. Putting it on the word trash below and clicking produces a slightly different effect, which you'll see later. Click the icon by pressing and quickly releasing the mouse button. As you click the icon, it's highlighted. 
what was black is now white and vice versa. The highlighting shows that you selected it. Notice that the system disk icon is no longer selected. Selecting is an important idea with Macintosh and it has a specific meaning. You always select the information you want to work on next. Click the system disk icon. Now the system disk icon is selected and the trash icon is no longer selected. When clicking, try not to move the mouse as you release the mouse button. Practice clicking each icon in turn until you can click without moving the mouse at all. Once you've selected an icon, you can use the mouse to move it with a technique called dragging. Position the pointer on the trash icon. Press and hold the mouse button while you move the mouse. When you press the mouse button, you select the icon. As you move the mouse, the pointer moves and drags an outline of the icon and its title along with it. So you always know where you are and where you're going. Release the mouse button. The icon snaps to its new place. Try this again with the system disk icon. Move the icon all the way to the left. Notice that it won't go off the edge of the screen, so you don't have to worry about losing it. Remember, lifting the mouse has no effect on what you're doing, but releasing the mouse button does end the current dragging. You can cancel a drag in progress by moving the pointer into the menu bar at the top of the screen. Practice dragging until you can easily put the icons wherever you want them. You've learned how to use the mouse to point to and select information you want to work on, and you've seen how you can drag icons to arrange your desktop. Next, you'll learn how to act on what you select by choosing a command from a menu. By the way, you can take a break from this lesson at any point. Leave the Macintosh switched on and pick up where you left off. If it's been switched off, switch it back on, make sure the system disk is inserted, and start over. Selecting and whenever you work with your Macintosh, you tell it two things, what you choosing want to work on and what you want to do. First, you tell the Macintosh what you want to work on by selecting it as you've been doing with icons on the desktop. Then you tell the Macintosh what you want to do with the selection. You usually do this by choosing a command from a menu. Right now what you want to work on is the system disk and what you want to do is open its icon so you can examine its contents. Here's how to do this. Selecting the system disk icon. Position the pointer on the system disk icon and click. This is the same thing you've done before. Now the system disk icon is selected and you can choose a command for it. Along the top of the screen, in the menu bar, are titles of the menus you can choose from. Menu bar. Position the pointer on the word file in the menu bar. Among other things, the file menu lets you open icons. Without moving the mouse for now, press and hold the mouse button. Release it when you're finished looking. Pressing the button while you're pointing to a menu title causes the title to be highlighted and a menu to appear. The menu contains commands you can carry out on what you've selected. Commands that you can't use right now, 
close, for instance, appear dimmed in the menu. When you release the mouse button, the menu disappears. To choose a command from a menu, you use the same dragging technique you use to move icons. Position the pointer again on the menu title file in the menu bar. This time, press the mouse button and hold it down while you drag the pointer to the word open, then release the mouse button. As you drag through the menu, each command is highlighted in turn. When you release the mouse button with the open command highlighted, an outline zooms out of the icon and the screen is almost filled by a window. This window displays a directory of icons that represent the contents of the system disk. IFA window doesn't appear, make sure the system disk icon is selected before you choose open from the file menu. The system disk icon is hollow now to show that the icon has been opened into a window. If you change your mind about choosing something from a menu, you can move the pointer off the menu. Nothing is chosen unless you release the mouse button while one of the commands is highlighted. The system disk window's title appears in the title bar at the top of the window. Below the title bar is information about the directory's contents. Along the right and bottom are scroll bars that let you get around in large directories or documents. In the bottom right corner is the size box you use to change the size of a window. In a few minutes, you will let them see how to use these parts of a window to manipulate it. To sum up what you've done so far, first you selected something, the system disk icon, then you chose a command, open. You'll follow this same pattern whenever you work with Macintosh, select some information, then choose an action for it. There are three icons in the system disk window, this time representing an application for adding and removing fonts, and two folders that are on the disk you inserted into the Macintosh's disk drive. One of the folders holds system information that Macintosh needs, and the other is an empty folder for your own documents. You can move icons in the system disk window the same way you moved icons on the desktop, by dragging them. Go ahead and try this. For now, keep them inside the system disk window. Changing the size of a window. When you're working on a document at your desktop, it's great to have a wide open window on it so you can really see what's there. But small windows also have their advantages. You can move small windows around on your desktop and you can see more than one at a time. To change a window's size, you use the size box in the bottom right corner of the window. Position the pointer on the size box and drag it up and to the left. As you drag, a dotted outline follows. The farther to the left you drag, the narrower the outline becomes. The farther upward you drag, the shorter it becomes. When the outline's as small as you can make it, it stops moving. When you release the mouse button, the window changes size. The contents of the window don't change at all when you change a window's size. The only thing that changes is how much you can see. Experiment with controlling the size of the system disk window. Drag the size box down and to the right to make the window bigger again. 
then try all different lengths and widths. You can move windows on your desktop just as you move icons. To move a window, you drag it by its title or anywhere in the horizontal title bar at the top of the window. Don't, however, drag it by the small box in the title bar. That's the close box and it's just for closing the window. Position the pointer anywhere on the title of the system disk window. Drag the system disk window by pressing the mouse button and holding it down while you move the mouse. Just as when you dragged icons, a dotted outline of the window follows your movements. When you release the mouse button, the window moves where the outline was. If you release the mouse button before you have the window where you want it, just pick the window up again. If you change your mind about moving it, cancel the drag by moving the pointer into the menu bar. Just as icons stay within the limits of the desktop, so do windows. You can't lose them by dragging too far. Practice your new skills. When you can manipulate the window easily, making it any size and putting it anywhere you want on or partially off the desktop, go on to the next step. Use your new window handling expertise to get the system disk window out of the way if you need to. Shrink it down and move it around so you can see the trash icon. Use the same technique you used a few minutes ago. Select the trash icon by clicking it, then choose open from the file menu by positioning the pointer on the menu title, pressing the mouse button, dragging to the open command, and releasing the mouse button a second window appears on the desktop, probably overlapping the first, depending on where you left the first window and what size you made it. With Macintosh, you can have many windows on your desktop at the same time. When there's more than one window, your Macintosh needs to know which one you're working on at the moment so that the commands you choose and the text you type end up in the right place. The window you're working on is always in front of all the others. It's called the active window, the place you want the next action to happen. The active window's title bar is highlighted with narrow horizontal lines on either side of the title. The active window usually has a size box in the bottom right corner and scroll bars on the right and bottom sides. When you open the trash icon, it automatically became the active, frontmost window, the window you're working in. The system disk window is also open on the desktop, but it's no longer the active window. To work in the system disk window again, you make it active by clicking anywhere inside it. If you left the system disk window small before you open the trash window, it may be completely hidden by the trash window now. You know how to move windows and change their size, so if you can't see the system disk window, move the trash window or change its size until you can see the system disk window again. It doesn't have to be completely visible. As long as you can see part of it, you can make it active. Click in the system disk window. The window is brought to the front of the desktop. Its title bar is highlighted in scroll bars and a size box appear to show it's the active window. Whenever you want to work in a window that isn't already active, you first make it active by clicking in it. 
Your desktop might not look exactly like the one here. Your Macintosh does exactly what you tell it to do. The size and position of your windows are up to you click in the trash window. Now it moves in front of the system disk window again. Experiment with arranging your desktop, making each window active in turn, changing its size, and moving it. Notice that you sometimes need to move a window in order to see its size box. And you sometimes need to change a window's size or move it to see a window it's covering. By the way, moving a window also makes it active if it's not already, so you don't have to make a window active before you move it. You can open icons in a directory window, such as the system disk window, just as you open icons on the desktop. You know how to open an icon by selecting T and choosing open from the file menu. There's a shortcut. You can do the same thing with a technique called double clicking. Try it to open the system folder icon in the system disk window. If necessary, first make the trash window smaller then make the system disk window active and large enough that the system folder icon is visible. Position the pointer on the system folder icon and quickly press and release the mouse button twice. Inside the system folder are icons that represent information the Macintosh needs. If the system folder window doesn't appear when you double click, speed up your clicking. That way the Macintosh Y11 be able to interpret your actions as a double click and not just as insistent single clicks. Now you have two ways to open icons. Open the empty folder icon either by double clicking it or by selecting it and choosing open from the file menu. If necessary, first move the system folder window. The empty folder window is, surprise, empty. You'll use folders later to organize the documents you create. You can have many windows on your desktop, but to keep things tidy, you might want to close some when you're finished working on them and open them again when you need them. Make the trash window active by clicking in it. Choose close from the file menu. The window zooms closed. Whenever you choose close from the file menu, the frontmost, active window is closed and the next window behind it becomes active. The scroll bars in an active window let you move what's in the window so you can see more of it. Make the system folder window small enough that some of the icons are hidden from view. Click the scroll arrow that points to the right. More icons come into view. You can also scroll left, up, or down. If you want to know more about scroll bars, see scrolling in chapter 3. Using an application. You might be wondering what all of this has to do with your work, the documents you'll create with the Macintosh applications. First, you'll use the skills you've just learned whenever you work with your Macintosh in nearly all the applications. You usually select information and choose commands in consistent ways and windows are always opened and closed, changed in size, moved, and made active using the same techniques you've just learned. Second, this chapter introduces the Finder, the built-in application for organizing and managing your documents. 
The Finder is available every time you start your Macintosh or whenever you move from one application to another. In fact, you've been using the Finder all along. In addition to helping you manage your documents, copying them, renaming them, removing them, for example, the Finder lets you start applications and get documents and then put your documents away when you're done working on them. You probably purchased an application or two along with your Macintosh. Each Macintosh application disk also contains the Finder that's on the system disk you've been using, so from now on keep the system disk as a spare copy of the contents of the system folder. Close first the system folder window, then the system disk window. Use either of the methods you know, make the window active, and then click the close box or choose close from the file menu. Choose eject from the file menu. The system disk is ejected. Insert the application disk you want to use. A Macintosh application package may include two copies of the application disk. Put one of these away in case your working copy ever becomes unusable. If this does happen, make a copy of the spare to replace your old working copy. See chapter 3 to find out how to copy a disk. That way you'll always have a spare copy. Open the icon that represents the application disk by double-clicking it or by selecting it and choosing open from the file menu. The system disk icon is still there, but it's dimmed to show it's not currently available. If the window was left open, its icons are dimmed. Open the icon that represents the application you want to use. Each application icon looks like the work you do with the application. That's all there is to opening an application. Some work on your new document. You don't really need to know how to use these applications to finish this chapter. For example, just use the keyboard to type your name with MacWrite or draw a squiggly line with Mac Paint, position the pointer anywhere in the drawing window and drag. You need to save only a small amount of work in order to see how the finder helps you keep track of your documents. Whenever you're finished working on a document, you decide whether you want to keep what you've done or throw it away. Choose Save from the file menu. A dialog box appears with a space for you to type the name of your document. A blinking vertical bar marks the insertion point where text you type will be inserted. You might also have noticed the save as command in the file menu. You'll choose save as when you want to save your document with a different name. Usually, you'll choose save. Whenever your Macintosh needs more information from you, it presents a dialog box with buttons to click, such as ochre cancel, and sometimes with a place for you to type additional information. These messages can also alert you if you're about to do something that could cause you to lose information, giving you a chance to cancel what you are about to do. When there are alert messages, they're often accompanied by a beep. The Macintosh keyboard is very similar to a typewriter keyboard. Use the shift key for capital letters. If you make a mistake, use the backspace key to erase characters back to where the mistake is and then start typing again. 
Use the keyboard to type your name or any other name you want to give your document. Click Save. Your document is saved on the disk just as it is now. Make a habit of choosing save about every 15 minutes or so while you're working with your Macintosh. It's a good thing to do while you're waiting for your next inspiration. That way, if your Macintosh gets switched off or there's a power failure, you'll never lose more than 15 minutes worth of work. With your work saved on the disk, you can leave the application you've been using and return to the finder. Choose Quit from the file menu. The desktop appears again just as you left it. But now the icon of your new document appears in the application disk window. This new icon represents the document you created. It shows which application was used to create it, and below it is the name you gave it. The next time you want to work on this document, you select and open it just like any other icon. Opening the document you want to work on also starts the application you need to do the work. You don't have to open the application, then open the document. Once a document's been saved, you can open it directly from the finder. The Macintosh keyboard is mainly for typing text and numbers. You'll see the way you'll usually type and edit text, no matter which application you're using, by adding some comments about the document you just created. Select the icon that represents your document. Choose Get Info from the file menu. An information window appears, showing some useful information about this document, such as which disk it's on, how big it is, and so on. There's also room for you to add comments about the document. The comment box will save you time when you want to know more about a document without opening it. You might have a note explaining that this is your smash hit sales presentation of last November, or the play that won you the Pulitzer Prize. Of course, you'll also know which application you used to create the document by its icon. The blinking vertical bar appears again, marking the insertion point for text you type. You'll use the keyboard to add your comments. You don't have to press the return key when you come to the end of a line of text. The next line starts automatically. Type. This is the first document I created on my Macintosh. It has great sentimental value. You can edit your comments by cutting and pasting with the cut command and the paste command. First, select some text to cut. Position the pointer at the beginning of the word great and drag to the end of the word. You're selecting information to work on as you did when you selected icons. You selected icons by clicking them. You select text by dragging across it. If you move the pointer off the word, you might select more than the word great. If this happens, just start selecting over again. Nothing unexpected can happen while you're just selecting. This is the first document I created on my Macintosh. It has great sentimental value. Choose cut from the edit menu. The word great vanishes and in its place is the insertion point where new text you type will be inserted. Whenever you choose cut from the edit menu, whatever you cut or copy is put in a holding place called the clipboard, 
ready for you to paste it to a different location if you want. Type. Absolutely no. What you type appears at the insertion point. Select a new place for the insertion point by clicking after the space following the word first. This is the first document I created on my Macintosh. It has absolutely no sentimental value. Choose paste from the edit menu. The contents of the clipboard, the word great, in this case, are pasted into the location you selected. You can add a space at the insertion point by typing one. See editing text in chapter three for a summary of how to enter and edit text. The contents stay on the clipboard until you choose cut or copy again, so you can continue to paste them. You can paste within one document or between two documents created with the same application. The contents also stay on the clipboard when you leave an application, so you can cut and paste between applications. For example, you can draw a picture with Mac Paint and use it to jazz up a report you create with MacWrite. Or borrow an especially eloquent passage from a MacWrite document and paste it into an overhead slide you're preparing with Mac Paint. Whether you're using an application or the Finder, you can usually view the contents of the clipboard. Choose Show Clipboard from the Edit menu. The clipboard window appears with the word Great in it. The clipboard window doesn't have to be open for you to paste its contents. Close the clipboard window. Either choose Close from the File menu or click the Close box. The close command closes the active window and close boxes appear only in an active window. Close the information window. You've seen how the finder helps you start an application and get a document, save it, and leave the application. It also helps you organize your documents, grouping them together with related documents, duplicating them, renaming them, or throwing them away. You'll soon accumulate many documents on the application disk you've been using. At some point you might want to arrange your desktop so that related documents are grouped together. Macintosh folders work just like ordinary file folders to help you organize your documents. For instance, you could keep all your monthly status reports together in one folder or group all your Mac Paint illustrations together or keep each one with the report it illustrates. Macintosh lets you organize your documents however you want them or keep them scattered about your desktop if clutter makes it easier for you to think. Information the Macintosh system needs is grouped in the system folder. You have an endless supply of empty folders to organize your own work in. The empty folder icon in the application disk window can be duplicated whenever you need a new folder to put new documents in. Duplicate the empty folder by selecting its icon and choosing duplicate from the file menu. Another folder appears slightly below and to the right of the first. It's given the temporary name copy of empty folder. Whenever you choose duplicate from the file menu, the copy you make has the same name as the original with the words copy of edit in front. This is to prevent ever having more than one document or folder with the same name on the same disk. 
it's usually a good idea to rename the copy. The copied folder is automatically selected when you create it. Whenever an icon is selected, you can rename it just by typing. If you can't see the entire icon, you can make the window larger or move the icon. Type Manila folder or type any name you want. Copy of empty folder is renamed Manila folder. Anytime text is selected, text you type replaces the selected text. You can also select, cut, and paste the title text as you did when you edited the comments about the document you created. Usually, however, when you want to rename an icon, it's easiest just to select the icon and replace the old name by typing a new one. Drag the icon that represents the document you created so that it covers the manila folder icon. When you cover the folder icon with the document icon, the folder icon is highlighted. When you drop the document icon into the folder by releasing the mouse button, the folder icon is no longer highlighted. Select and open the manila folder icon. There's the icon that represents your masterpiece. Dragging a document icon to a folder will file the document there. You can also drag an icon into an open folder window. The result is the same. Documents and applications can be left on your desktop as well as placed in folders or on disks. You might want to leave the applications you use most often or the documents you're working on for a presentation that day on the desktop so you can get at them easily. Any application or document you leave on the desktop is automatically put back on its disk if you eject the disk. When you insert that disk again, whatever you left on the desktop reappears there. Drag the icon that represents the application you were using out of the application disk window onto the gray desktop. Whenever you use this disk, this application will appear on the desktop where you left it. Of course, you can also drag it back to the disk or leave it in the folder with your document. You can take most actions on several documents at once. For example, you can move several documents from one place to another, discard them in the trash, or find out information about them. One of the ways to select more than one icon is by using the dragging technique. Make the application disk window open and active if it's not already. If it's closed and you open it, it automatically becomes the active window. If it's open but not the active window, click anywhere inside it to make it active. Use the size box to make the window bigger so you'll have plenty of room. Position the pointer outside one corner of a group of icons, any corner, and drag diagonally to the opposite corner of the group. Be sure you start dragging outside an icon. If you position the pointer on an icon, you select just that icon. As you drag, a dotted rectangle appears around the icons you're selecting. When you release the mouse button, the icons are selected. You can select any group of icons that can be enclosed in a rectangle. All icons you outline are selected. Now you can drag the whole group. 
position the pointer on any one of the icons and drag the whole group to another part of the window. Make sure the pointer is on one of the icons, it doesn't matter which one. They keep their arrangement and move in formation. The icons stay selected until you click anywhere outside any of them. You can also choose a command to act on a group of selected icons. For example, you can find out information about an entire group of selected documents. Choose Get Info from the File menu. An information window appears for each icon that's selected. As each new window appears on the desktop, it overlaps the window that appeared before it. You can move these information windows or make them active like any other windows on the desktop, but you can't change their size or scroll through them. Close each information window in turn by choosing Close from the File menu or clicking its Close box. Each time you choose Close or click its Close box, the active window closes. Or choose Close All from the File menu to close all information windows and the Application Disk window as well. There's another way to select more than one icon. Sometimes the icons you want to select aren't lined up in a way that you can drag a rectangle around them. If they're scattered about, you can select more than one by shift-clicking. If necessary, open the application disk window. Select any icon in it by clicking it. If any icons are still selected, first click outside of any of them before you select one again. Hold down the shift key on the keyboard while you click a second icon. The second icon can be any icon in the same window. You can even scroll to a different part of the window and shift click. You can continue to select more icons as long as you hold down the shift key while you click. Any action you choose now will affect all the icons that are selected. You can choose a command for them or move them by dragging the whole group. You can use the Finder's View menu to look at your documents in whatever order you want. Choose by name from the View menu. The contents of the active window are arranged alphabetically by name. You can also view them chronologically, by size, or by kind. Macintosh desk accessories, an alarm clock, a calculator, and a notepad, for example, are always available on the Macintosh desktop, no matter what APP allocation you're reusing or whether you're reusing any application at all. You choose Desk Accessories from the Apple menu on the left side of the menu bar. Choose Alarm Clock from the Apple menu. Click the lever on the right side of the clock. The alarm clock expands to display and let you set whatever is highlighted in the bottom panel, the time, date, or alarm. Click the icon that represents what you want to set, then click the digits you want to change. Click the up arrow to advance the numbers, or click the down arrow to go backward. Click in the top panel to set. To display this simple clock again, click the lever to return it to the horizontal position. See Desk Accessories in Chapter 4 for descriptions of the other accessories in the Apple menu. You probably have some work you want to use your Macintosh for. 
If you'd like to know a bit more about Macintosh before you start using an application, read Chapter 2. Then read the manual that came with the application you want to use. When you want some reminders or more information about using the Finder to organize your work, come back to Chapter 3 of this manual, Using the Finder. Enjoy! What can you do with your Macintosh? Your work. Your Macintosh can help you with almost all of it. You can prepare illustrations, draw charts and graphs, write and edit text, keep your files, and maybe even organize your life. You can also use your Macintosh just to have fun, doodling away or playing games. But you might just decide that working hard can be the most fun of all. Macintosh removes a lot of the mystery about using computers. Every action you take has an effect you can see, so you're always in control of what happens. And you don't have to keep tedious details in your head because Macintosh keeps track of them for you. You're free to think about what you want to do rather than how to get the computer to do it. The Macintosh stays out of the way of your work. Think of watching a good movie. You quickly become involved in the plot and don't think too much about the screen or the mechanics of making the movie. It's like that with Macintosh. Nothing intrudes on the work you're doing or the fun you're having. The basic Apple Macintosh system includes the main unit, the keyboard, and the mouse. The main unit contains the processor, memory, the built-in disk drive, and the screen. The processor does the actual work of the computer. Memory is where the Macintosh stores the information you're currently using. The Macintosh can get this information from a disk in the disk drive. The disk drive records and retrieves the information that's stored on the disks. The Macintosh can also get information directly from you through the keyboard or the mouse. The screen is where you keep track of what you're doing. These parts of Macintosh that you can see and touch are called hardware. One of the really exciting things about Macintosh is the software or application programs you can use like MacWrite for words or MacPaint for pictures. Depending on what you want to do, you choose an application that will help you do it. See applications in Chapter 5 for some of the applications you can use with Where Does Your Information Go? When you get an existing document so you can revise it, the perfect first draft has yet to be created, the Macintosh leaves the original on the disk and makes a copy for you to work on. When you're done working on the copy, you decide whether you want to keep the new version or not. If you save the new version, it replaces the original on the disk. If you don't, nothing on the disk is changed at all. You always have the option of saving the new version with the original name, saving it with a different name, or not saving it at all. That's like having an original document and making photocopies of it to edit. When you're satisfied with the changes, you change the original. The document in the Macintosh's memory, the version you're working on, is stored only temporarily. So if you accidentally trip over the power cord or the electricity goes off, everything you're working on, whatever's in memory, vanishes forever. 
to count on your work being there when you need it. Save it on a disk by choosing save from the file menu every 15 minutes or so. That way you'll never lose more than a coffee break's worth of work.